the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Edred. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Why is a snake in the house? I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see you, No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, this You're is the, the podcast. Uh, You're the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast that comes on the heels of another edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Back-to-back late May pre-Memorial Day weekend shows. Holy smokes, people. Uh, We have actual news going down on the Wednesday before Memorial Day weekend. Brian Urlacher decides to up and retire from the National Football League after um, 13 stellar seasons. As a Chicago Bear. And it it also comes on the day that we learn Michael Crabtree has surgery for a blown-out Achilles. And that changes the landscape in some ways in the NFC race in 2013, right from the middle of May, late May. And with the Chicago Bears, this means that Jay Cutler is the face of the franchise. And we knew that when Erlacher decided to hang him up. I mean, decided to part ways with the Bears or the Bears parting ways with him. They depending broke on how you look at it. I don't know, saying? Chris Brockman. If you remember um, that it just happened where one day Erlacher says, I'm gone from the Bears, and the Bears issue a release saying we, uh, we mutually decided to part ways. Mutually means we one-sidedly decided. Well, I mean... They offered him a contract. They just just wasn't for the amount. Well, I think it was for a million and a half dollars, Chris Law. Yeah. And people were saying he wanted two and a half million in the intervening weeks as we were waiting to see where he would land, like, say, Charles Woodson uh, did on Tuesday after we filed our podcast with 49ers CEO Jed York, who while winning Super Bowl L for the area, lost his top wide receiver in Michael Crabtree, as apparently in the OTA on Tuesday. Maybe it was right around when we were talking to Jed York this thing went down on the practice field with Michael Crabtree. And um, uh, the Bateman and Rob Lowe podcast, that was filed before we learned about, obviously, Michael Crabtree and and nobody knew about Erlacher's. We're wondering what's going on. That the, the Woodson news came after we filed that 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 show. Uh, we're waiting here. Where's Erlacher? Maybe he's going to be a Viking. Maybe he might stay in division. A la Favre. Who knows? And instead, boom, he says, "I'm gone." I love how on he did Twitter, it too. by the way. I love how he did it. Yeah, he didn't. You know, he's close with Jay Glazer. He could have called up a bunch of guys. He could have made a big circus out of it. He just tweeted out a little thing. <laughs> no. He tweeted out, like I said, I'm proud to say that I've played my 13 years with the Chicago Bears and then went on, I think it was a, a statement on Husay. Yeah. 
and um, that and that's the end of that. And that's the end of that. And 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 you open it up, and it's like, oh, he's retired, he's gone, he's finished. And then within twenty minutes, God bless Todd Fritz and Dan Patrick. He was on DP show, where I think he told DP there, there's no chance he's coming back. There's no Michael Jordan percentage chance. There's no. Is that him calling in right now, Chris Law? That might be Airlocker. Okay, because he's calling in. He's calling in. But what he said to uh, Dan was, "There's no chance of coming back. Not even if there's an injury in August and the Bears call him up." That's a two-minute warning. They have him there, but uh, they're getting him. That was his assistant. Very good. Got about two minutes. Erlacher's coming on. And after Brian, a complete change of pace. The co-creator of Will and Grace, David Cohan. That's pretty much what we do here, par for the course. Yes. And, I mean, he's he's an NFL fan. He's probably more of a Clipper fan than an NFL fan. Um, and he's one of the smartest, funniest guys that I've met out here. And I've been trying to I – mean, his his daughter, uh, like many things in late in li- later in life – you know, you meet people through your kids. Uh, his daughter and um, and my son hang out all the time. His wife, friends with my wife. Of course. So when wives are friends and kids are friends, it's kismet between men. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And, and, and you just, let, let's put it this way. You hope you like the guy because if the wives are friends... And the kids are friends. You're going to be seeing them everywhere. You're going to be seeing them. Right. And it just so happens he's a prince of a, a, of a guy who is like um, some of the more creative people we've had on this podcast. Works on a, somewhat of a different plane and is really smart, really funny. Obviously, I mean, Will and Grace is a, one of those highbrow Did like 10 classic seasons. comedies. Right. Right. Um, and just figured, let's have him in. We'll talk TV. We'll talk... Um, some sports, and just see where the conversation goes. Here, we thought we had the week off after the early week podcast. I know. Uh, on on, on Crabtree for a second, he's out for the whole season, right? That, so that would like essentially shelf him for 2013. Well, I don't know. I mean, T. Sizzle had um, had something where he came back. How much does that open up the NFC now? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, because Bolden and him, you know, Bolden, Bolden is there. I mean, how big is that pickup now? Yeah. And maybe it's time for some of these young receivers that the Niners have drafted. Mario Manningham? He's gone, isn't he? Was he one and done? Well, I mean, you know, uh, Jenkins, who was their first-round pick from two years ago, right. hardly AJ saw Jenkins. the field. Maybe it's time for, 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 for that to happen. And they have two good tight ends, too. Well, no, Delaney Walker signed somewhere else. Yes, he, he did. But they, they've got tons of personnel. They drafted Tons of too. personnel. And, you know, they can run it down your throat, and that kid at quarterback is something else. But the Kaepernick to Crabtree when he was in here before right. before you insulted him, well, uh, Chris. Insulted uh, is a you strong remember how word. he was talking about – remember how he was talking about the, the, the chemistry that he had with Kaepernick and those skinny posts that Kaepernick can gun in there? That was Crabtree. Oh, and Crabtree's wheels. Think about how they beat the Patriots uh, – and when the chips were down in the Super Bowl, who'd they target? Him three out of four times. And yeah. so, it, it, you know, it's it's a tough blow. But it happened in May, at the very least, for the 49ers. I mean, I guess he would May. think outside chance they make a playoff run. He who knows? Could, he could return. Who knows? In this day and age, with modern medicine and the body and the biology of everything. But um, good show in store. Yeah, is, he, no, is, he on, is, is, is 54 on the phone? 54 has just dialed in. Hey! 
Here we go. He is the uh, retiree of the hour. The man is one of the all-time great Chicago Bears who decided to hang him up and not play for anybody else. He is Brian Erlacher on the Rich Eisen Podcast. How are you, Brian? I'm doing good, Rich. You are, sir? I mean, because let me ask you this question, first and foremost. Um, Marshall Falk, when he retired, Dion, when he retired, all these guys say they don't want to be congratulated. That congratulations is just like what? What does that? What does that do? Is that? Is that? Is it? Is it appropriate to say congratulations to you right now in your estimation, Brian? Yeah, I'm relieved. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think that's a great word to use for me. I, maybe I feel different than Eddie, but I'm kind of relieved that I uh, that it's behind me now that I finally made a decision to move on and kind of move on to the next phase of my life. So what? What was? Let's walk it through this process about yeah. your relief. What? Why did you come to this decision to uh, to hang him up? Yeah, well, about six weeks ago, I thought, you know, I've been thinking about it all offseason. Um, just six weeks ago, I thought it'd be a good time to, to, to do it, and I was kind of changed my mind because I thought I may still want to play. And then I, I just, honestly, I don't have a desire to play anymore. I um, I don't like working out right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun working out by yourself. You know, if I was in, if I was at Hell's Hall working out with the guys, that'd be a different story because there'd be, you know, it's different. When you work on your, on your own, it's not as fun. I just figured that out this year. Um, and honestly, I'm just not quite the same player I used to be. Interesting. I, uh, you know, if, if I was the same player that I was three or four years ago, I think I'd still want to play, but I'm not. You know, I, after I hurt my knee, I just haven't been able to do the same things I wanted to do. So it's frustrating for me, and I, I just I don't want to do it anymore. So let's start with the working out part. I mean, do you have a, a spot yeah. in your house, or were you going to some local gym or something like no, that? Or I, I went to no, I went to the place. I, I go to Arizona in the winter. I went to a place that I've been going the last nine years out there, and it's fun, you know. But uh, it's just not quite the same as uh, as working out with your teammates. And it's uh, now I'm just working out not to get fat. That's our number one goal right now. Well, I you're talking to the wrong guy in that uh, respect, Brian. I mean, yeah, the, the, I, I'm just trying to stay at a decent weight right now where I look halfway decent. That's all. That's my goal right now is to not get too fat. Just the, the not get too fat diet, um, that would mean staying away from, I guess, the the breads and all that stuff. Past carbs. The yeah. carbs will kill you, man. Well, I know. They taste so good. <laughs> My problem is I like sweets. I, I like sweets so much, so it's hard for me. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I got I got to do something. Like what? Tell me, tell me, what's the Achilles? Is it your, your the sweets Achilles? Which one? The little Debbie snacks, all of them: Star <laughs> Crunch, uh, Zebra Cakes, uh, oatmeal cream pies, Swiss cake rolls, all of them. All of them. Girl Scout cookies. Oh, yeah, Girl Scout cookies. Are you a dosi dough <laughs> man? Are you a dosi dough man with those cookies? What is that? I, I like them a lot, man. I just, uh, but you know, I figure I work out. I can get whatever I put on, eating snacks. You know, wow, awesome. I don't know. So you're we'll going see. with it. You go mini. Uh, hold up. You go <laughs> mini cakes. I would, I would, I would, I would look at you and say you're a Mike and Ike man. You know, that's really? yeah. Well, because here's the thing: is that that's Mayock's treat during the draft. I know that we've oh, been we've yeah. been several rounds into the draft when Mayock busts out the Mike and Ikes. You know, so yeah, I'm not a big Mike and Ike guy. I uh, I'm not a big fruit candy guy. Oh, you know what I do like is the uh, the strawberry Mentos. Those are good. <laughs> when I travel, I always get a bunch of those. But, yeah, you know, if it's got sugar, in it, I'm probably gonna like it. I like sweet tea a lot. 
<laughs> wow. So, you know, I was going to go the, the question that Dan Patrick asked you about, uh, about is there any chance of you coming back? But you sound like a man who, who has slammed the door air, airlocked shut, Brian. I really have no desire. I mean, I thought I would really miss football this time of year. You know, I was going to go to training camp and all that stuff, but I don't. I, I've The freedom I've had this offseason to do what I want, not have to go around anyone else's schedule but my own, has been awesome. You know, I hang out with my kids, travel, fish, golf, do whatever I want, and I don't have to worry about going in for meetings or doing any of that stuff. And I selfish of me to say that, but I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I. Uh, I've never got a chance to do that, and it's been nice to do that this year. Do you think that that feeling will only intensify with you being able to do whatever you want to do when the playing season hits, or do you think that you're going to see these games go down, Chicago against yeah. Green well, Bay? against? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably see the games and think about how I feel after those games, and then I'll make me think I've made the right decision. So you think Honestly, you, uh, think you I, might you – might I, ha- I, I, really, I feel like I 100% made the right decision on, on this, and – but like I said, the, the desire's out there. And someone asked me earlier, what if Lovey was still there? Would you still want to play? Or do you think it would have gone differently? And I think, yes, it would have. I think I'd still want to play. Because the desire to play for your head coach, not, I don't know the new coaches. I don't know anything about that, whatever. But I know if Lovey was there, I'm pretty sure I'd still want to play football for him. Interesting. So part of what your decision yeah. made uh, has to do with some of the changes that the Bears made in general. Yeah. And then I heard the new coaches are great. Nothing against them, but I, you know, you get used to a person and a system. And and I mean, I hate personally. I don't like change. So especially in my football career. <laughs> so um, if he was still there, I'm sure there's a good chance I'd still be there and still wanting to play football. Did other teams come knocking on your door that we don't know about? <laughs> no, but my agents talked to every team in the NFL. Now they called everybody and told them I was a free agent. This and that. Everyone thought I would go back to Chicago. You know, uh, that was the Early on, that was the big deal. Everyone didn't think I was in Chicago. Once we figured out I was in Chicago, there's a little bit of interest, but not a ton. You know, I, I'm sure if I wait around until July and August, I could probably get a job, but I don't want to do that. I want to be – I'm happy saying, you know what, I played 13 years for the same football team, and that team with Chicago Bears, and I'm proud to say that. Do you think w- w- if you went back to April uh, accepting less money, would you – have Have you thought about that at all, or do you just – Yeah, yeah. here's the thing with that. and I, The money wasn't the issue. It was the way it was handled. Um, you know, if they were honest with me the whole time, I would have been great with it. You know, if they had said, you know what, here's what we have, Doc. That's all we can pay you. We want you here. Um, we want to maybe bring on a young guy. We want you here, though, and, but this is all we can pay you. I probably would have been okay with that instead of them saying, okay, tell your agent to make us an offer, and then we'll go from there. It was it was never a negotiation because they had their mind made up in the first place. So I just wish they had told me that in the first place. So do and you? I probably would have actually accepted it or, or been a lot easier with it. So, do you think you're going to have a? a, There needs to be a cooling off period between you and the Bears, or? uh... Oh, I I love the. I have no. I I have no issue with the Bears. Um, You know, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. The decision I made was a good decision, I think. So, uh, and whatever happened between us put me in in this spot. So, I'm happy for that. But I I love the Bears. You know, I'm always I'm always going to be a Bears fan. Um, That that nothing's going to change that. Now, uh, do you think you're going to be uh, – are you interested in joining the paparazzi, joining our, our part of the the business? The paparazzi. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, I've talked to people about that, and I don't know. I, but my problem is – and you do, you guys do a good job on there because you have a good mix of, of, of people on there. But I have a hard time criticizing other players because I know I hate it as a player when, when ex-players criticize me when they know what we're going through and they still do it. 
So I have a hard time doing that, I think. So I'm not sure I can do that. Hmm. So you... Yeah, it's, it's tough to do because, you know, I'm sure when, when the guys, when when they were on the show, um, you know, with you or whatever they were, when they were playing and someone on your show said something mean about them or not something they didn't like, I'm sure they didn't like it. And then they go out and do it themselves. So I don't know if I could do that or not. Well, it doesn't have to be mean-spirited, Brian. You could just be saying, you no, know... No, not mean, but just, you know, stuff that... Because, uh, them of all people know how we feel as players and what we go through, and sometimes things are out of your control, but um, you still get called out on it. So I don't, I don't want to be one of the guys who does that to, uh, to maybe a former teammate or someone who I played against. So would it be wrong for me to ask you if you think Jay Cutler can handle being the face of the Chicago Bears franchise? <laughs> no, that's a good question. I think Jay can handle it, uh, but he's not, I don't think he's the only guy. You know, uh, As long as you know, Lance is there and Peanut and Pep, they're, they're going to be guys on that. And Brandon's there as well. You know, there's not just one guy there. It never has been. Everyone always says there's one guy. There's never, there never has been. We've always had a bunch of good players and no one guy has had to, had to bear that burden of being the guy. How old are your kids? 12, 8, and 8. 12? No, they're not twins. <laughs> <laughs> 12, 8, and 8. Okay, so now you're, yes. so you're going to yes. basically be a chauffeur to go from event to event right now? Is that essentially what you've got going for yeah, you this think, summer? You know, I, I, I said it. I'm excited to kind of hang out at home with my kids. My kids are at school all day, and then when I get home from school, they kind of want to do their own thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, Everyone says they want to stay home, but then when there's no one at home, what are you going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do here, Brian. I think because you have a history with NFL Network, as I always bring up whenever I talk with you, you're the first yes, ever. Yes, first time ever. Yes, correct. You're the first player to have ever me. spoken on NFL Network, first ever. So you should come out here to Los Angeles, hang with us on the set. You're going to be, be comfortable in talking about whatever you want to talk about and see where it goes from mm-hmm. there and see if that part of the paparazzi That's a long something. flight. <laughs> we'll sit you big chair. We'll sit you big chair. I can yeah. work that for you. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, but in the meantime, when do you want me to do that? <laughs> uh, whenever you're we'll free. About it. We'll whenever you whenever you're free, Brian. Oh, I got I got a lot of free time. I'm free. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll have we'll have our people talk to your people. And see if yeah, we can nail this thing. We'll talk to my people, and we'll see what those people come up with. That's, we will, there's a lot of people involved, but we'll see how it does. Hey, yeah. listen, man, thanks for calling yeah, in. Yeah. Like I said, you sound you sound yeah. like you're you're like the world's at your fingertips. That you've got that you, you sound downright giddy almost, yeah, I, Brian. I'm just happy, you know. I'm just happy that this is. I'm, I'm relieved, honestly, to tell you, I'm just happy it's behind me now, and I can move on with the next phase of my life, whatever that may be. All right, man. Well, hopefully, we'll have you back on I, later on, and maybe we'll get a little bit more introspective about your career. But in the meantime, go do what you're about to do. All right, thanks, Rich. You yeah. bet. That's none other than Brian Erlacher calling in on the Rich Eisen podcast, right there. Well, there you have it. I mean, he was. I mean, giddy is the word. Giddy well, is the word. He sounded great, very at peace with his decision. I've never heard him like that before. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to interview him many times, and I understand, you know, when you're, uh, you're a Hall of Fame athlete locked in, a re- see, searching for a championship, you're, you're a certain way. But I've, I've seen him out and about at various events throughout time. He sounded like relieved the weight of the world is off his shoulders that he's not sitting here wondering where am i going to play what am i going to do and he just said screw it 
I'm finished. You don't want to work out. And I thought that was interesting, too. You don't think about that. This was the first time probably with the lockout having to be another time. Yeah. Where he was not going through his off-season training. Now, I know he's had – He's had all sorts of injuries and surgeries to the point where you pointed out on the onion. Right. I just sent you guys a, a column on the onion. Yeah, that Brian Urlacher retires with plenty of injuries left in the tank <laughs> is the headline with the mock quote of, I decided that now is the time to end my playing career, even though I'm very confident that I could continue suffering injuries at a high level for a couple more seasons. <laughs> right. That's the onion for you. But I thought it was interesting with him saying that he's not used to working out by himself. And that if the Bears had gone ahead and somehow, some way, the two of them could have gotten – if had they not fired Lovey Smith. I thought that was really interesting. Had they not gone ahead and handled it, as he said, the way they handled it, and he'd be in Alice Hall, he'd be working out. And on the other hand, he said he's not the same player anymore. He essentially said what, what uh, Jamarcus Finley said, right? What Jermichael Finley said. He's not- Remember Jermichael Finley was saying, saying something like he's not the same player anymore? I don't and, remember Finley saying that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no. There was a big yeah, to-do last year. Huh. But it, but, but refreshingly it, it, honest, which you don't usually yeah, get. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that was kind of my point, that it, uh, for someone, a player of his caliber, obviously a future Hall of Famer, to just come out and admit that he just doesn't have what he used to have anymore, and it's time to time to go. The, the Lovey Smith thing is definitely very interesting. Cause... Think about how the way the world works in the NFL. Because you remember how the Bears didn't make the playoffs, right? Because the Vikings beat the Packers. And the Bears, despite winning their last game in Week 17, needed the help. And the Vikings beating the Packers put the Vikings in the playoffs. Bears out. Lovey Smith gets fired. So... If the Packers had won that game, to part of Brian Urlacher's thinking, maybe Lovey. he his career might still be going. So if the Packers had won the game in Seattle, that that also would have meant. So you're saying this ripple effect, <laughs> the ripple. This, this sort of this sort of science fiction the type Mary. ripple the effect, Mary. goes back to the immaculate touchception. Yes. So it's really a replacement ref's fault that Brian Urlacher was forced to retire today. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> well, partially, because even as he said, he, he admits he's not the same player. Right. And obviously he, what happened with the Bears and him, clearly they just wanted to go a different direction. For them saying, like, make us an offer. <laughs> In all honesty, what does that mean? What does that mean? In any negotiation with management, if management wants to keep you, they're setting the parameters of the conversation. And if the parameters of the conversation are set with them saying, you come at us first. See what's in your mind. (laughs) I don't recall having a negotiation in my career like that. (laughs) And thankfully, that's because nobody's really wanted to give my ass the boot, which is what he clearly believes they thought. Yeah, there's definitely a little bad blood there. That's why I asked him, you know, do do you need to have a, a cooling off period? Now, George McCaskey of the McCaskey family um, issued a release 
saying he's in the pantheon of Bears, earning this place alongside Hallis, Grange, Nagurski, Ditka, Payton, and Bill George, Butkus, and Singletary. So you know how the Bears are going to, I mean, and the Bears are going to view him. And, you know, at some point they'll have to reach out to him to have some sort of ceremony. When he gets the yellow jacket and he gets his ring, fifty-four, they're going to have to have that in Soldier Field at one day. I mean, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think so. I don't think there's any argument. I agree. One, in that respect, one of what, I don't think there's any argument. The only other defensive player of the year for the Bears was Singletary. Singletary, right? Oh, I mean, you, the list can go on and on. List can go on and on. I mean, you 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 take a look at uh, the number of Pro Bowlers the Bears have ever had, and uh, he was defensive player of the year. Only Peyton, uh, only Walter Peyton and Mike Singletary had more Pro Bowl selections in the history I, of the Chicago Bears. Now you could say well, that makes him in the Hall of Fame of Chicago Bears, but I mean, he is in made, terms of forty sacks. Here's one: forty plus sacks and twenty plus interceptions in a career. Um, it's only four guys, right? Yes: Wilbur Marshall, Ray Lewis, Seth Joyner. Speaking hmm. of early days of the uh, NFL Network, he was the uh, analyst with Ken Norton Jr. with me on that very first show. That's right, and. Uh, ranks among linebackers uh, since 2000. He's tied for fifth in games, third in tackles, third in interceptions, 21st in sacks. But he's a middle linebacker. Well, the a- fact that he's 21st in sacks As among a- all linebackers from a guy in the middle, and what he did for the Tamp for the Tampa two, yeah. the cover two that they brought in, you can't play that unless your linebacker can get deep in a hurry. He brought up earlier the Onion article about his durability and injuries and stuff, but I think uh, he's he played in 16 games in 10 of his 13 NFL seasons, which that's hey, listen, how many incredible. weeks was he fighting through injuries exactly. to get on the field? Yeah. Exactly, right. right, exactly. But it's it is pretty neat to, for him. I mean, he could sit there and be, I mean, the list of of great players on and on and on and on and on who who finished in strange uniforms. You know, Namath, Unitas, Emmett. I mean, that's just three off the top of my head. We can go on and on. It, it's always talked about. Montana. You know, Ronnie Lott, right? Didn't he finish as a Jet? Uh, Jerry Rice. Please. Seahawk, Bronco, which I forget which one. Well, I think his last team was Bron- Seattle. Oh, well, he didn't play. He, he quit and uh, he, he hung him up in a I, – I, I can't use the Q word with him. He'll get very upset. He retired – um, I think in a preseason where he was trying out, but I don't think he played for Seattle. Did he? I don't know. I think he I, finished with the I Raiders, and that correct. was it. I don't think he ever played for. He was in a he was in a preseason with somebody, and I, th- and I thought it might have been Denver. It may have been. Look that up, will you, Chris Law? Yes. I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, he sounded great. Obviously, he's a guy who could probably go on TV and make that flawless transition. But he said he didn't want any part of it because he, want to be critical. he didn't want to criticize former players. Well, I'll be very honest. Then, then, then he's he'll be smart to stay away from it because if he has a problem doing the, saying something critical of players, because he didn't like it when former there players are would ways criticize of being him. Critical. I mean, clearly he was. I wasn't going to have a a. Sports analysis journalism 101 discussion with a man who is, you know, eight minutes out of, out his, of retirement. Right, exactly. Retirement, yeah. But there are ways of being critical without being uh, an ass about it. You know, I mean, there are, mm-hmm. and there are ways, there are reasons to be critical. Now, I think the situations that he's referring to are things like remember when LT, currently on our staff, 
hurt his knee against the Patriots, I believe, right? In the playoffs. In the playoffs and sat there with the visor on. Yep. And Dion was very critical of him on the spot. The Cutler stuff with the knee. Yep. Right? AFC Championship. And I think that's the stuff that he's – what he's talking about. It's like you as a former player know that your body is your body and you know when you can be effective and you know when you're going to hurt the team by playing. So why are you sitting in a studio without knowing what's going on at the field, without being in the body? Why would you say something like that? I think that's what he is referring to, but it is your job to give your opinion about what's happening. And using your playing experience as the prism through which your comments are made. And if you've got a problem doing that, then you're in the wrong business. But there are ways like he could, he, we, you know, somebody could stick him in a, in a studio of like, say, playbook. You want to break down X and O's film and tell us what, what, it, what this team needs to do defensively to beat a team coming up this week. Who in the world wouldn't want to hear from Brian Urlacher? Yeah. He's, I think he's too big of a personality to just go quiet. Like I, I he did, I don't know, he did acting with Entourage. You know, you never know. He could try and do something in the movie business. He's a big guy. Just proof again, man, uh, uh, that he, you know, Brian Urlacher, um, who is a Jew. Wow, I just, I, did, I just looked at his birth date. His birthday is coming up on May twenty fifth. This coming Saturday. This coming Saturday, he will turn. You want to do the math for me? Sure. <laughs> I don't know what year you said Please. he was born. Though. No, it's 1978. Oh, come on. So that's 22 and... and so uh, 5, 35. 20, 22 and 13. Yeah, 35. Think about this. Age 35. Go figure out... What, you got to do something else. And it can't be the same... It can't be something that you've done every single day of your life and thought about every single day of your life. 35. And, and that's what he's... And all these athletes who retire. So, uh, I, but via condios to him, man. I mean, he he is um, clearly pleased and at peace. <laughs> he's more than at peace. He's like he's laughing. Good he stuff. Sounded, he sounded great. To circle it back to Jerry Rice, um, he did he did play with the Seahawks. He went to camp with the Broncos. Did not, did retire, he did play with though. the Seahawks? That's right. So, so his last team was the Seattle Seahawks, right? All right, we're going to switch gears now. Yes. We're going to switch gears um, and talk a uh, little football. I bet you we'll talk Clippers. I bet you we'll talk Clippers. Well, they, next they, guess, he's, a big, he's a big Clipper And fan. they've been in the news the last day. Oh, they have. And I've been trying to get this man on the show for quite some time, and I'm pleased that I finally got him in studio. It's busy. He's a busy man. He makes television for a living, constantly trying to entertain, as he did as the co-creator, most notably, of uh, Will and Grace. Good to see you, David Cohan. So glad to be here, Rich. Finally, yes, you, we finally landed the the Cohan plane. I, I kept losing my direction to Culver City. I rarely get down here. It was <laughs> left at the mosque, right? <laughs> yes, it was the left. That's where sometimes p- things go a little haywire. Right, right, right. Was the directions right there at that fork in that that uh, interesting road here right. in Culver City? Now you grew up here in Los Angeles, California, correct? Were you? Did you? Or where did you grow? Up? I was born in New York. Okay. But uh, I left when I was four because the city was washed up from me. I'd burned too many bridges. <laughs> so I came out here to come to nursery school to get a fresh start. You had to. Uh-huh. You had to turn the page uh-huh. at an early age. Uh, the truth is my, my, my father got a job writing on the Carol Burnett show, and it was just at the very beginning. Um, and she had said to this group of writers that she had worked with, you know, we were, on, we're only picked up for 13 episodes, but if you come to Los Angeles, if you move your families out to Los Angeles, I will guarantee you 30 weeks. 
uh, of my. I mean, she that that was a pretty big risk, I think, on her part at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, did you grow up around Harvey Corman? And Tim Conway. I mean, did you grow up on the set of the Cal Burnett show? Is that I, what you're I was. Right now? I was there periodically, and uh, you know, I would I would go down there. The times that I got to see uh, uh, all those Cal Burnett people uh-huh. was annually. There was a thing at Rancho Park called the the Carl Reiner Family Picnic. The Rancho Park, the golf course that's right, right down the road here. Right here on, on Pico. Every year at Labor Day, mm-hmm. it, it, there was the Carl Reiner Family Picnic, and all the Carol Burnett people would come, and all these great old comedians would uh, come and show up just for a big family like, picnic Like day. Buddy Hackett and stuff like, like that? Like Ever? Mel Brooks would lead the uh, Simon Says game. You know, and... and <laughs> wow. <laughs> And uh, I think nope. Gary Marshall organized the softball game. It was that kind of a thing. It was, oh, it was, fant- it was that was my introduction to, uh, to like sh- off hours show business to me, and that was it was it was fantastic at the Rancho Park where people yep. now show up in their in their jeans, mm-hmm. right? Like you do you do you golf in jeans, Chris Law? Is that what you're saying? That what? No, no, no. I called uh, out Brockman. I played one day in jeans a couple weeks ago when we played. I was coming from work. I didn't oh, have a change of not clothes. Not only jeans, he put his earbuds in and listened to a Patriots or a Red Sox, uh, a Red game. Sox game while we played. I was it's a true worst fan. golf partner ever. <laughs> true that fan. Is, that is that's an outrage, dude. You represent the Shield. Mm-hmm. You represent this show. You can't golf in jeans. What's the matter with you? <laughs> this guy was wearing his. That's uh, what I th- and here I am. I was Eyes in podcast. I wore pullover. Well, at least he's rocking <laughs> the the our d- shield. He's I rocking d- our shield. I didn't have a change of clothes. Uh, so what do you want me to do? Very good. So, did you go to? Uh, are you? A, did you go to Rams games when you were here? Did you go to? I went to a couple of Rams games. Uh, uh, m- you know, my father. He didn't take me to a lot of sporting events because, due to circumstances beyond his control, he didn't really want to. So, what I would, but I came by my my huge sports fandom kind of on my own, mm-hmm. and I live and died by it. I, I mean, uh, I, I remember certain things so distinctly. Like, for example, the the game that Willie Ellison gained two hundred forty seven yards is a very distinctive memory to me, what? and and early early Laker games. The day the Lakers had their 33-game win streak snapped, right? you know, and weeping to the point of dry heaving. I mean, my early L.A. sports days are very, very distinctive memories to me. And I just, I complete, I was completely absorbed. I was never a New York sports fan. I was, too, you know, I you left too soon. yanked out of there too soon. So what do you think of Erlacher retiring? I mean, what are your thoughts on that, David? Well, um... I you know it's sad it's sad to me because it it's it feels like the end of an era to me because uh, I I mean he 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 was the face of that Chicago defense that unbelievably tough Chicago defense for so long and and um he was a great player he was a gr- I mean he made you excited to watch defense uh, you know I I I loved watching Brian Urlacher play he was he was so tough and um. What exactly happened? I mean, was he supposed to? I mean, what happened? To well, what happened? We what, 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 it, I, it just seems like nobody went ahead and made an offer that he would be willing to take to push the rock up the hill one more time physically, mm-hmm. prepare for a season, and wear a uniform different than the Chicago Bears. I have a theory, kind of. A little different than most. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jenny McCarthy 
Look what you did to Jim Carrey's career. Uh-huh. Gone a little downhill since. They bro- they, they started dating. Little downhill. All right, so Jenny Has- McCarthy is the Ted McGinley of the National yes. Football League? Is, <laughs> is, that, is that what you're, you're into? He started dating right McCarthy a few years ago. Hey, Pro Bowler in 11. Last year, a little rough. They broke up the offseason. He's out of the league. I mean, it... it, it- it kind of makes it. Jenny McCarthy jinx is a well-known thing. I didn't think it extended beyond out of the entertainment know, world to yeah. middle to middle linebacking. Yeah, and, uh, and and the other news of of the day um, is uh, your your buddy Michael Crabtree blowing out his Achilles heel. It uh, uh, it happened yesterday at OTAs, is what uh, USA Today and Ian Rapoport are reporting. Mm. So as we were talking to Jed York, um, so I mean, having watched Chauncey Billups play. Well, this yeah. year, I mean, right. it, you know, he he when he was on the floor, he was a completely different player. Dan Marino, yeah, Dominique Wilkins, other other professionals have. Who yeah, have El- Elton Brand. The, there was one year, uh, Elton Brand, another Clipper. Uh, uh, For those he, scoring, just so that David is a, a a a Clipper season ticket holder. Oh, can we talk about Vinny Del Negro? Yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Thoughts? Uh, you know. We hardly knew ye. Well, it, you know what? It was never a question. Vinny, this year, it wasn't a question of uh, of if, but when. If he didn't advance uh, beyond the first round. in Well, if he didn't win a few games in the second round, there was virtually no chance. Vinny was an affable fellow. But, uh, you know, I, he wasn't a great – he wasn't a great – Game coach, the the in game adjustments, yeah. Was the biggest thing. But that that is just one of them, though. I mean, Chris Paul though didn't want him. That's what everyone's saying. Well, he didn't have the history that that Lovey Smith had, but he won the division this year, first time ever in the history. They took him to the the playoffs, best record in Clipper history, Absolutely. and he's booted. It kind of is a little like Lovey, who went ten and six, for, boom, fired. Well, and then maybe. He just they wanted to go in a different direction because their new star is the quarterback. Just trying to bring all this connective tissue together that they went with an offensive head coach. And you know, with I, with your boy Chris Paul having the ability to leave, I don't maybe turning to him and say, I, Who do you want? I think that's probably right. Yeah. I think I'm sure uh but I don't think Chris Paul disliked Vinny that much. I, I, I don't think I, I think they're look DeAndre Jordan regressed this year. I mean, there there hasn't that been that big a disappearing act since Harvey. Thank you. I will be here <laughs> for the rest. That went way over their heads. The, they haven't have, even uh, seen Blazing Saddles, <laughs> and you and Harvey on them. That's, Harvey Dent. No, 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 no. Um, he is. You know, he. The fact of the matter is, he's being paid. I mean, and I love DeAndre Jordan. He he seems like a great guy. But he was he he went backwards this year, and 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 you blame that on the coach. I kind of do, and I also I, I um, a guy like that needs the coach's confidence, which he never quite had. And I also blame the fact that the second half of the season, the Clippers were unfocused, unmotivated on defense, and I and I and I think there's stylistically there might be a problem emerging between uh Chris Paul grinding tough chirpy Chris Paul mm-hmm. and kind of high flying young good time Blake and DeAndre I mean there's a little bit yeah, of I've that. heard they don't they don't have the best relationship What about this what about this what about what about why wouldn't Donald T Sterling mm-hmm. the greatest owner in all of sports mm-hmm. <laughs> why wouldn't he go ahead 
and throw half his fortune at Phil Jackson and say, let's go. Let's go. Tell your wife <laughs> it's no hard feelings, but, you know, tell your wife that her brother, you know, his brother-in-law mm-hmm. is, what's the word for it, a schmuck on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> And just there go my Laker tickets. Let, let me throw. Why, why, why don't why don't you why? I mean, how because great I, would that be? It would you be know amazing. This town. It would be, be amazing. amazing. It would but, light up this town. But I think I mean, as Clipper a long time Clipper fan, I think you could only if I were to make Donald Sterling's epitaph right now, it would read something like, "Why pay for greatness?" when you can pay a lot less for mediocrity and generate roughly the same amount of revenue. That's a hell of a tombstone. I mean, that would be uh, a very would, large... It's going to be a like giant a mo- mausoleum. You know it is. <laughs> that he will, get, he will get taxpayers to pay for, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he will not. He will definitely not be doing... Asking Phil to do that, though, what if, what if John Skipper came up to, to your wife, to Susie, and was like, Berman's out? You're going you're gonna to host Sunday game day morning opposite of Rich on NFL Network? Cause Susie couldn't do that. Well, um, David, you want to feel that? You know my wife just is, you know, you know her. She would. Susie can do anything. No, I know she can do it, <laughs> but the turmoil in the house isn't yeah. worth isn't worth it. Of course, Phil Jackson coming to the Clippers would be great, but Jeannie Buss. Think of the billboards across town that would go up. I don't know. Is that an apples to apples there, David? I don't know if that's an apples to apples. I'm just going to stick with Susie can do anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. Me, me too. Me too. Yeah. I second that. You know, uh, but I don't know if that's app. I, I I understand that you know she's the chief. Uh, she's the CFO. I think I think of of the Lakers. Yeah. Jeannie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be a tough sell. That'd be a tough sell. But what a weird situation. That would be very weird. What a weird, dysfunctional, like basketball family situation that is. What a story, right? That'll be fat. There's nothing remotely close in the NFL. Yeah. Like that. I can't believe Fredo got the team. I mean, when you think about the Lakers, it's like Fredo got the team. Fredo got the team. And so, and many guy. Laker fans would like him to go <laughs> yeah, fishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right about now, I yeah, think. Yeah. You know, oh man. Now, Fredo is not a giant invisible rabbit, by the way. <laughs> this, guys, you know that, right? That's what Harvey is. Yeah. Oh my God, these guys are have no earthly. Oh idea. come on, stop it! I know, I got Fredo. Thank no, you. No, 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 Harvey. You had no idea what no, that Harvey, was. Harvey, no. Idea. Um, how did Will and Grace start? Well. N- NBC, the Rams had left. We were looking for something to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like we, right. Early on, I had worked as, a, as an assistant to Sidney Pollock, the movie director, Sidney Pollock. Fantastic. And, and one of the things that he had always said was, you know, I've, I've always only made love stories. And the thing about love stories is that uh, the story ends when the boy and the girl kiss. So your story is pretty much only as good as the obstacles preventing the two from getting together. Mm-hmm. And over time, like, Obstacles get harder and harder to come by. Race is no longer an issue. Religion is no longer... Class is no longer an issue. NBC came to us and said, "Eh, we're replacing Mad About You. We're kind of looking for another romantic comedy. And uh, I looked at my writing partner, Max Muchnick's life, and I said, you know, you and Janet, there's kind of a love story with an insurmountable obstacle there. That's pretty good. So Max and Janet were... Max and Janet... Max and Janet dated... Uh, throughout high school, they were they were inseparable. Their their sensibilities seemed so compatible. And uh, Max went uh, off to college on the East Coast. Janet stayed here. They th- Janet was under the impression uh, that they were going to get married. 
Max was under the impression that um, he was going to come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and when, and after four years, when he's like, ah, I got some news to drop on you, Janet freaked out, and I sort of played shuttle diplomacy between the two of them. I was the Kissinger of love. And um, I, uh, and as a result, that's when Max and I became really good friends and started working together during that time, and that became the basis of the of the idea, a love story with an insurmountable obstacle, and and so when we finally you know had our deal with NBC, we we thought to have those two characters, the these the Will and Grace characters, the 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 gay man and the straight woman who would be per- perfect for each other if only. And and when did you realize you had a monster hit on your hands? When the check came in, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, not, not initially, not initially, you know, it was interesting and this is, again, we'll bring it back to this show. It was put on as counter programming to Monday night football, something that in, in house was referred to as must she TV, which I loved, of course. (laughs) Um, so you were making must she TV, must she TV. It was, um, uh, suddenly Susan and Caroline in the city and a couple of like. And Will and Grace, and and Will and Grace started to do pretty well, so they moved it to another night, and finally they moved it to their big sort of tentpole night on Thursday night, uh, and that's when it started. I knew that. Listen, when I started going to Upfronts and they were paying for my hotel room and my and my mm-hmm. air, that's when I knew it was doing well. That's when it was. You, mm-hmm. you saw how it was going, no doubt. Did it? Did did a football player ever appear on that show? Did it ever even come close to happening? Um, or not? There were. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were if if there were any athletes, um, because I've had athletes on other shows. How how was long it? after like Ellen uh, was this show? That, that, it was the that, very. It was. It was, it was it, that, I mean, this is such a this is such a taboo thing when this started. When your show came, it was out. the very next season. It was the so season it was, after. It was the season after she came out, and uh, what happened was she came out, and that particular episode was really was very highly rated, and then it just sort of declined after that and then got canceled pretty and then got canceled and then got canceled yeah yeah almost i think that year and i think but to me one of the reasons is you completely changed the the thrust of the show from what it originally was i mean it was supposed to be a romantic i mean ellen was supposed to find love and all of a sudden you know with a guy with one of the guys that she was with and all of a sudden she i mean if she put it this way i feel like in that show if she had just said you know what i've decided to become a nun it would have had the exact same effect it's like that would be you know or whatever it was if it's she like going made, from multi-camera to single camera. yeah if she had made some giant Shift, you know, some sea change in the direction of the show. It right. would have it would have gone down just because you build up certain expectations, and then you and then you completely frustrate them in the middle of the second or third season or whatever it is, and it's it's a different thing, you know. I mean, this was what it was from the beginning. And before that, you you worked on uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Dream On, mm-hmm. right? Back mm-hmm. in HBO, back in the HBO yeah. days. Yep. Do you, you ever see? Do you guys ever see Dream On? Or no. were you predating? But you? the Wonder Years loved mm-hmm. the Wonder Years. We just wrote. We ended up writing an episode or two for the Wonder Years, uh, and our Dream On was kind of one of our first staff jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, the genesis of the show was uh, Universal came to. Marta Kaufman and David Crane, who are the creators of Friends, who also created Dream On. And they basically said, you know, 
we have all this old stuff, this old old TV footage and B movies and stuff. I figure we could either burn it or maybe you could make a show and find some way to use it. And so what happened is, is that Great the conceit idea. that was used was here's a kid who in his rough childhood was raised by the television, basically. They plopped him in front of the television. And in every situation in his life, he sort of refers to some moment or some scene from a show that he has seen growing up. And so one of the things that you had to do, so you had guys sitting with like zillions of VHS tapes and pouring over material from this old universal stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to find, okay, I'm looking for a moment where a guy has an arrow shot through his heart, you know, <laughs> find me that, you know, and, and so when he gets stung emotionally, you'll cut to that because the kid, the conceit was that the kid had seen it, something like that when mm-hmm. he was growing up mm-hmm. and it, and it, what and a job it is. It, it, it was a great show. It was on for, for a few years, as yes. a matter of fact. Yes. Did I mention there was nudity also? Yes, you did. That was what, no, <laughs> just a great thing about it. I know. All his girlfriends were, were ridiculously hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said you, uh, you came up with Sidney Pollack, what, or you worked under him. Mm-hmm. Was he directing, acting at the time, or what, what, uh, what films was he He was doing both, working? I mean, and, and producing a lot. Yeah. He, he was producing a lot of movies. I mean, at that time... Because the firm is like one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it was just bef- it was before that the just movie before. that he was working. You named on. one of his most commercial. The films. book is I phenomenal. Mean, no, I know no, he did a lot of. I mean, looking at his. I mean, please, there's some cla- some classics, right? Well, the way we mm-hmm. were is yeah. one of them. I was mm-hmm. negative ten when the way we were came out. <laughs> okay, you were negative ten. So, can somebody be negative ten? I mean, you you, you could you could like things that are older than sure, you, but you know, okay. I'm in my wheelhouse. Uh, for instance, here. Uh, you like me, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> just as just a starting, like within your uh, your sight line. <sighs> Sydney, who was who was who was one of these great. There are certain people. There are certain like mentor type figures in your life who I had a fear of disappointing Sydney that was greater than the fear of disappointing my father. I mean, you know, and not because he was stern, but just because I had so much respect for the guy that I didn't want to screw up. That's why I was a terrible assistant, by the way, because to him, because, I mean, he kept me on because he liked me, and I and I. So you and were I, not good at your job. I was not good. I was not good as his assistant because he could do everything better than I was going to do it for so him. He was assisting you in your job, more as or less. <laughs> Help me be a better assistant by doing what I should be doing. Um, but there's so many times, just in the course of my job, where I end up doing things, and I realize unconsciously that I've that I learned this from him. That I'm doing exactly what he did in that situation. Sydney had in in this. When I was working there, he had he had finished. I started there a couple of years after he'd made Out of Africa, which for which he had won, you know, the Oscar yeah. for Out best of Africa. Picture, sure best. That's a, Out of that's Africa. One, that's uh, wait a minute. Let's keep going. Oh, Kramer, I, I Kramer versus Start, Kramer. No, he, that was that was right. not him. But he did, that was not but, him? but Tootsie was him. Tootsie. Tootsie. Starting with come on. But starting with like, but also uh, Jeremiah Johnson and um, uh, the way we were. Yeah, and. Um, absence of malice, absence of malice, is, and uh, is, Electric way, Horseman, and all those Redford movies in oh, the in the seventies, yes. and, and even um, before then was like Castle Keep. I mean, in nineteen sixty five, and and uh, God, there was that. What was that one with 
and Bancroft and I mean I mean he worked with everybody everybody and he was an amazing the slender thread the slender thread good call go. oh he's got an it's IMDb a computer that's not say, let's, wait, let's not pretend wait, he was negative third when that was made help you <laughs> he was negative quarter century when that was made bring it on Tell but he was almost he was he was as good an actor three I days thought. of the condor also oh super, great 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 superb movie that he was as good an actor in my mind he was he, he, he was, was an awesome well he actor. started as an actor he he was from south bend indiana and so that, was he a notre dame fan no no, That's he wasn't. Good. He wasn't really. I mean, uh, I mean, he sort of was in the shadow of Notre Dame, and I think he was like this creative Jewish kid in the middle of South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> and it's like I have got to get out of here. I've got to leave. He ended up going to the neighborhood playhouse to study study under this legendary guy, Sanford Meisner, and quickly became San, San, Sanford Meisner's assistant. I think he was a good assistant. <laughs> I think he might have been a good assistant. And uh, what kind of stuff would you do as his assistant? I would. I would seriously. I would hide from real responsibility, and I would, <laughs> uh, you know, I would. I would write stuff. I would. I would write stuff for him that needed. I'd do coverage on scripts, or I'd write letters for him, or I'd go get. I mean, it was everything. You know, it was everything that you would that you would want an assistant to do. The best assistants are the ones who anticipate the needs of, of a course. person, and then go out and and are really assertive. And they say to them, "No, no, you need this. Yes. Just stay there." I was like, "I really don't want to disappoint you, so I'm going to do nothing." And by doing nothing, you'll have nothing to be disappointed in, right? That said, I um, I I think he he kept me around just because I think he. Well, I think we got along well, you know, and ended up, he ended up being Will's dad on Will and Grace, you know. That so I awesome for trying. you to it be able was to cast him. Fantastic and terrifying. It so, was, so yeah. like your experience as his assistant, in other words. It, yes, <laughs> but but it, and it was a similar kind of yes, it was a very similar kind of thing. Only in this situation, I I was essentially his boss, which is such an odd, was such an odd thing. But I couldn't deal with Good it. I mean, you, I really couldn't deal with it because I couldn't give him. It was so hard for me to give him notes. It was so hard for <laughs> me to, to to gauge his reaction if he didn't like something. If I saw him wince or something, I would just be like, "Such a blow." <laughs> I mean, and um, he was a great. He was a great guy. He really was, and a great filmmaker and a great actor. He was and great. I mean, in Michael Clayton, which yeah. I think may have been Brilliant. one of his final roles. Yep. He was brilliant in that as so well. So good. And Eyes Wide Shut he was in Eyes after that. Eyes Wide Shut. He was in, and he was in um, uh, Husbands and Wives. He was fantastic. He and Judy Davis were the couple right. sort of playing uh, opposite Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was right as all this stuff was going down. I remember him coming back from that shoot and With saying, boy, he's, yes. It was right before it broke, right before it broke. And, and him saying, boy, Woody seemed very stressed out. You know, he seemed very stressed out in this movie. And I just assumed, well, he's probably a stressed out guy. And then, like, Boom. days later, this yeah, whole thing broke. That explains it. That explains but it. But wow, is he good. Not, not to say that you, you're an assistant, <laughs> Chris Law. But your, your job in, for this podcast is, in many ways, in a role to assist it along. Correct. Sure, sure. So would you say you are the person who anticipates the needs and executes, or you're the one who hides from real responsibility, or would you say you're somewhere nestled in, in the middle? 
Where would you say? Where would you? Where would you rank yourself? I don't want to put myself in a David... box, Rich. I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a yes. I'm more of a all around. We've, we've nicknamed can... him our latex salesman. <laughs> <laughs> he's our he's the latex salesman. I'm surprised you even got this thing on the air last week with me out of town, guys. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Come on. Actually, it was a well-oiled. Well, I think week, I think I think we proved you're replaceable. That's a, <laughs> we all are. Damn. We all are. Damn. Um, is there anything you want to promote? Anything that you got going on at cooking, or you want to talk about, or, or I, there I know are a couple, got, of, there are a couple of things that we have still on the hopper in the, still, in okay. the embryonic stages. Um, that two two scripts two that, that Max and I have, okay. have written one for Showtime and one for TBS. Okay. And they're v- at the very beginning, so they're in the embryonic pro- stage. Okay, so you're just, you're just a Clipper fan looking for a coach. <laughs> Clipper fan looking for a coach. Okay, looking for Van Gundy. Anyone uh, got one? I've, I, would I, you I, take him? I would take either Van Gundy. In a, I you love take Van him. Gundy. Okay. Either he said, and it's probably going to be Stan. And it's probably going to be Stan. Byron by the way. Scott was a rumor. I heard. Yeah, Stan, yeah. Stan, what Stan Van Gundy did. You and I have talked about this many, many times. Oh, that, to Dwight Howard. That's is one of the all-time great sports moments mm-hmm. and for those of our international listeners or people who are not familiar um dwight howard was reported in the media to have essentially uh undermined stan van gundy to the bosses yeah, and the owners. reported in the media by stan van gundy <laughs> and and the media went to him uh a, 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 the next day after it was in the newspaper to ask for comment most coaches thought we're going to keep this in-house we're not going to say anything it's all it's all fine he essentially confirmed it all. Confirmed it all. Dwight Howard did not know what Stan Van Gundy was saying to the media. And then... <laughs> Walks into the middle of that press conference. Doing what is norm, normally expected, which is we're going to keep it in-house. or Joking around with the coach is like, see, it's in the media that I hate him. If I hate him so much, then why am I throwing my arm around him around you? It's all good. It's all hunky-dory. And Stan essentially... Takes a, takes one last sip of his Diet Pepsi and it's like, Dwight, you got this. That's right. <laughs> Dwight, you got this. And walked away. And then Dwight Howard was besieged by the media, filling him in... <laughs> About. In front of the cameras about what Stan Van Gundy had just revealed. And it is one of the biggest FU moments you'll never see. I, that will never happen in the National Football League. Oh. Never yeah, happen yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. And Between was, coach and play. I, what I, players have enough power in the NFL to, to, get, their, that to, to get their coach fired? Different league. I, I don't think yeah, there is one. it is weird. Jay Cutler. <laughs> Not saying that he did that, obviously. But no. I mean quarterbacks are the only ones in the NFL. Right. Who can who can maybe do that sort of thing. Maybe. But in the NFL, it's 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 the quarterback and the coach are attached to the hip, right? You know what I mean. So if it's not working out, a lot of times if one if you're feuding with the head coach, you're out. There's only four guys on an NFL roster, maybe five that make more money than the coach per year in the NBA. It's not even close. Every I mean Keith Van Horn was making. Thirteen million a year. Yeah, but it's now, but now coaches are making coaches are making a lot of money. Or, or are making a lot of money. Or as uh, Hubie Brown would say, a different league. A different league, mm-hmm. which is the way uh, Mayock. It's a National Football League. league. Mike Mayock as well. Um, I got one last question. Sure, you yeah. said you said you you got something in the works with Showtime and TBS. Mm-hmm. W- would you want to work with network television again? Because it seems like all the best shows now are not on network, and you're freer to do what you want in a Showtime, HBO, AMC type of environment is that that's a very good question yeah i i you know 
I only ask those, Rich. It depends. I mean, it, it, it depends. If you were, put it this way, if I were mercenary, which of course I'm not, <laughs> uh, the, the, best way, the best way to make money is to do a half an hour situation comedy and have it syndicate, uh, for network television and have it syndicate. That, and that, the, way, the way that happens, you've got to make 100 episodes? For, yeah, you've got to make, well, you have to, yeah. Is that the magic? You have to? or that's No, the, no, okay. you don't. You can syndicate with a smaller number or a larger number. 100, 100 used to be the magic number. Now it's, now it's a little more fluid than that. You could do the more it you like, make. You could more. do it like 60 or 70? Like yeah. Yeah, you can. You okay. probably won't make as big a sale. Right. I mean, and if you if you've only made sixty or seventy, that how many Will and Grace episodes were made? Uh, almost two hundred, about one hundred ninety-three. According to huh? One hundred eighty-eight, according to you. One hundred eighty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I thought it was more than that. But could but, be more than that. Yeah. There are there are the ten just missing episodes. The I'm just believing the internet. I'm just the internet. The ten missing episodes. This guy knows. Um. But but in it, but I, I, at this point, the answer is yes. Uh, um, I, I I would rather I think it's you can you can be more personal and more idiosyncratic and more specific you know and with other venues. That said, I actually think it's possible still to make a a good sitcom, and I think there's something comforting about sitcoms, you know, particularly for people who, you know, it's funny. My daughter's 17 years old. She says she says, "Why do you make these? Why do you make? I mean, nobody they're so corny." You know, they're and um, but for people who grew up with them, they're comforting. They are they're the kind of things that you want to like sit down with for a half an hour a week and hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's what the best sitcoms do. They you know, they make you want to hang out with them for a half an hour a week for many weeks in a row and and years. And um and I think that's a good thing. I really do. I, the, 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 the most satisfying thing I hear about, about Will and Grace are, are people saying, you know, um, when my, you know, when so-and-so was in the hospital, that's all we watched, and it was such a nice thing when it came on, sure. or, or, you know, we had no ability to talk about, about the fact that I was gay, and, and, and Will and Grace helped us do that. I mean, it... It's it's a good thing that way. They're they're relatable and you know and they're funny and you li- and it makes you feel it's comfort food. It's maybe comfort we, food. maybe we should show Will and Grace in some locker rooms <laughs> to help this process that's going on. Right how now. Is, how's getting a show on the air now different than it was when you first started? Because it seems now shows don't really get a chance to it's become. Like yeah. yeah, it's like coaches. It is. It's like I mean Ooh. now now it is so. When I started, people would take a flyer on things. You know, they'd take a flyer on people and on ideas and shows. And now, well, the market has shrunk so much. So, you know. Isn't that amazing? Because there's 8,000 channels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I started out, there were, there were three, then four uh, major networks. And they had the lion's share of the eyeballs. And so you, they put on a ton of comedies. If it didn't work, there was always another one. I mean, it was not, it didn't feel, and you know how, you know how it really manifests itself? The upfronts, when they trot out the new shows for all of the advertisers in New York. Just went down 10 days ago. Mm -hmm. Right. That's Mm -hmm. right. The parties used to be so lavish and decadent. And you get network presidents dancing on tables at three o'clock in the morning, kind of thing. <laughs> Nobody does that anymore. It's much more serious and fear-based, and and the uh, you know 
financially everything just seems tighter now and and the margin for error has become so much smaller mm. so um what, and, do you, what do you watch what do you watch what's on your tivo i of course watch the nfl network that's of course we know that um i watch more sports than anything else there are very few i i it's hard for me to watch scripted comedies it's almost like taking work home with me <laughs> and i mean it 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 because the good ones make me feel less than, and the bad ones make me feel like, oh, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for me to uh, um, uh, to watch. So uh, I, I, I watch, I pretty much watch sports. That's what I watch. That's like, what I watch like, on television. I watch sports and news. Like and, live and events, movies. and that's it. Yeah. You don't watch a single drama? You don't watch, you don't do the Mad Men? You don't what, do what? the... I st- you know I, I I at some point I just I, I lost the thread of it I, I, I you know on on TiVo and my it's my wife and I don't have a ton of shows that we watch together we watch girls together okay we watch girls and um, I had to stop with that I had to stop with that season two really? I, had to, yeah, I had to tap out and there's even somebody uh, uh, you know Brian Williams' daughter Allison who right. is this great She's a fantastic. girl as you will meet. Funny, smart, mm-hmm. all of it, and, and so I, I, I feel like in a way I'm invested, you know. Uh, but this is you don't like. I mean, there's no. Li- I, I gotta have someone to like. Mm-hmm. I really in what I watch. No redeeming character. No, there isn't on that show. But you know what I mean. And it, but I, I mean, what Lena Dunham does is remarkable. Like writing, directing, acting, and she's like. Five years old. I know. I mean, and, that's, and, that's the no, thing. That's the thing. You won't find that on network television. But I had to stop. I had to stop with girls. I get it. I had to. I had to. I had to tap out on that season one, and then season two. I'm like, I'm, I've had enough. Well, I ironically, the, the men are the best characters on girls. Okay, yeah. but I mean, uh, I mean, they're, for, they're, for what it's worth, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, so what else? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, let me think. Boy, it's so funny that I'm Breaking drawing Bad? a blank. Yes, Breaking Bad. I loved like Deadwood. I loved The Wire. I Deadwood loved. I mean, these are all is. We mm-hmm. asked on the last show, because we had Jason Bateman on talking about Arrested Development, mm-hmm. which show would you bring back to life? Now, I know I mentioned Seinfeld before we started going off on another tangent, but to me that's not part of the – that's not in the spirit of the question. It's got to be something that lasted two, three seasons that was great that didn't survive. Mm-hmm. Deadwood would be the show that I would bring back to life. I was obsessed Because with that it show. was not – we were not done. We, I was not done. Mm-hmm. That show was not done. Uh, I know David Milch is apparently bat guano insane, but um, and and he did uh, that awful show John from Cincinnati mm-hmm. for HBO. Right. Like he stopped it to do something else that was dreadful. Deadwood, to me, is the one that I would bring back to life. I didn't watch that. I always wanted to. You get have into to it. do it because it's me, only three seasons, right? Like three seasons. And you could see they weren't done, that they didn't wrap it up. The, the season finale of season three was clearly not a series finale. Right. They, didn't, they didn't map it out. And they just, it just stopped. It's the road, like the road ended. Mm-hmm. And um, Ian, Ian McShane, the actor who plays Al Swearingen, who is the saloon owner and sort of a mafioso figure in town who runs the town, even though he's not in charge of the town, he runs the town. 
that character is one of the greatest anti-heroes in the history of the media. Is he, is I, I'm not. I'm not. This is not hyperbole, right? I, when I when he's I when I was Tony finished, Soprano, he's up there with he, all of them. Is he kind of like Nucky Thompson in a sense, where he runs the town but doesn't really run the town? Exactly in that regard. Yeah. But to me, Nucky Thompson doesn't even hold a candle to him at all. And when I when I finished watching Deadwood, I thought this is the best show I've ever seen. This is the best show I've ever seen. You did, huh? Yeah. Because yeah. I I thought so too. It was almost like iambic pentameter. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that an HBO? Well, yes. Okay. Yeah. It really well, he was. was. I mean, Milch was a was a you know he was a Shakespeare professor. I mean, he he he. Is that true? It. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, I, didn't I think know he that. was. I think he was a teacher. He was a professor. And Except Shakespeare never used la- that language. You know, but his argument is that like no, there was no, but. It was the the equivalent kind of 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 body Elizabethan slang, you know. Yes. I mean, that's the way he thought of it. It's like no, they did not, they didn't swear like contemporary Americans swear, but there were there were a lot of off color. There's a lot of off color language to Elizabethan ears in Shakespeare plays. So interesting, and, yeah, yeah, and and um, they just stopped doing it. Deadwood. Yes, yeah. but Breaking Bad, to me, for the one-hour, we've talked about this before, the one-hour drama on, is it fair to call AMC basic cable? I don't know, but, but out of, let's just put it out, let's put it out of, out of the constraints of, the, uh, within the constraints that uh, pay cable shows don't have. Mm-hmm. That is the best one-hour drama that's ever been created. Absolutely. With the, I, it was so good. It's so good. I mean, I don't like that you're even referring to it in the past tense because it, it, the end is nigh, and I don't want it to end. But it just because you just remove the HBO and the Showtime shows from the equation, or any you, you want to include Cinemax or Stars, or just remove that from the equation. We're just talking about one hour over the air cable. Nothing's been better than Breaking Bad, and I and I understand that Mad Men's in that mix. Anything on FX we're putting in that mix. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night one. Lights hurts me to say to not say that that's number one. Did you that, see Friday Night that, Lights? That uh, one, I didn't. I Friday my... Night Lights, David, is is a male Incredible. soap opera. It is a male soap opera where where it's got everything. It's got. It's got the drama. It's got a little bit of sports. It wasn't a lot of sports. A, lot of sports. a little bit of sports. I mean, it's really not about football. That's the, the best relationships were between the coach and his wife, and the coach and his daughter, and the coach and the town. Your wife will watch it with you. She'll love it because of Connie Britton. Right. It, like yeah. Well, you know, uh, Connie Britton is phenomenal as the wife. And yeah, I've only heard the best stuff about and the now. girls and the show for the guys spectacular <laughs> to look at. <laughs> Seriously, eye candy. Galore, galore, right? And the scenes played out between the coach and his players, coach and his wife, coach and daughter. Me and my, you're you're across the street neighbor, okay? Mm-hmm. Who shall remain nameless mm-hmm. on this show? Mm-hmm. Not the it, not the Santa Monica fishmonger. Not the Santa, different from the Santa Monica fishmonger. It's <laughs> it, it's it. Let's just call him. A, you guys have met him too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would call him. He would call me after the shows, and we'd go. Did you cry? And he'd be, yeah. I'm like, I cried too. And we're like, <laughs> he's like, do you want to come over here and we'll we'll hug it out? And it was, we were definitely not we're like a little bit hushed tones. Like, did you cry? Yeah, I cried. Did you cry? I love that. I love That's that. what that show was. And I love that he's crying when he's not punching people. He's crying. <laughs> it's like an Irishman. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> Seriously, he's like the Kramer of your street. <laughs> like he'll stroll in unannounced in your house with a tumbler. And your fly is open. And you're not wearing underwear. That's, this <laughs> is not a joke, by the way. Yes. This is not a joke. This is great. This is not a joke. Um, listen, we could go on and on here, and I, I believe we have. We have. We're yeah. At a, yeah, we're uh, no, it's hour, okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's, it's all good. Um, but you're welcome back anytime. I, In if, the throes of the season, when things are a little bit more current, you know, and it, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back in this mix. When I have something to plug. When I have something to plug. Like, okay. even if it's myself. You know, and, and uh, oh, like my sister shows, for example. Okay. Like, 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 uh, like Weeds and Orange is the New Black. Oh, well, Weeds is over, but Orange is the New Black is a new show that's going to be on uh, what is it, FX. Okay. Orange is the New Black is actually a really Not great... FX, FX is a gr- fantastic uh, Did I say FX? I meant Netflix. If I said <laughs> FX, I meant Netflix. Yes, FX is wonderful. There is an F and it's an wonderful. X in Netflix. Right. You can't spell Netflix without FX. True. So it's Netflix. Orange is the New Black really quickly. Can I do this really quickly? We've got time. Uh, it just we're we're, we're uh, good. We definitely yeah. Go okay. for it. Do it. Uh, Orange is the New Black is an amazing. It, it, the concept is based is is a true story. It's a true story. By the way, Al Swearingen, you know, was a real person, and and that well, whole Deadwood was Deadwood all was real. real. Yeah, 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 I know. I mean, Sheriff Bullock, all of them were the you know characters. Wild yeah. Bill, Hickok. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, that's uh, I'm it's telling so good. you, oh, anyway. it is. I'm going to start watching you tonight. You must. By the way, Larry Sanders, not on HBO Go. It is not. Why would that be? I've, I've instructed them because, again, uh, uh, on the last show, Jeff, Jason Bateman brought up Jeffrey Tambor for yeah. obvious reasons. And uh, these two, you, you, were, you, were, you were plus <laughs> age when Larry Sanders came out. You were plus. You yeah. weren't minus. I'm not going to live that Larry one down. Sanders, plus. Larry I'm not living that one down Hallmark, Hallmark Television, correct? Yep. We, were, we were 10. Yep. No. You were 10. Hank Kingsley, I, I mentioned uh, on par with Ted Baxter. Um, I, For sure. Correct? For sure. The way he played, the way Jeffrey Tambor played Hank Kingsley is up there with Ted Knight's portrayal yes, of was, Ted Baxter. It was, the, it was the next phase I of thought, that character. I it was the next this. step in it's that character. It's confirmed, see, by somebody who knows. There's no doubt. There's not, you know, that was actually my, first, my very first writing job ever. My apprentice writing job was on Gary Shandling's first show called It's, it's Gary Shandling show. show. That was my first job. Was that HBO uh, also? It was. I th- think it was. That was a great show, by the way. I can't even remember what's, what channel it was on. I think it was HBO. Was uh, it? It's, it's the yeah. Gary Shandling show. Yeah, right? it's, it's Gary Shandling's show. Are you show. looking that up, Chris yeah. Law? Right. Yeah. And I... Uh, I mean, he he was and that that whole thing. It was George Burns. It was like he breaking the fourth wall, talking directly right. to the camera, uh-huh. and, and you know, letting showtime. You know, it was showtime. That's what I thought, and uh, um, and it, and he could act. You know, I mean, he's a really funny guy who could act. And then Larry Sanders came along, and that was just it was just fantastic. And so, now there's a Larry Sanders who plays center for the Milwaukee Bucks, but not as funny. <laughs> Who's his, is is Ricky Rubio is Hank Kingsley or that's the Timberwolves? My bad. Um, so so who, who, who is Brandon? You see, you know the NBA more than you know the NFL, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring you into the into the shield fold to the same zeal that you have towards I love the it. association. I love it. Listen, I got the package. You have the package. I got the NFL package. I know. But I you, watch as often. Your 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 youngest daughter. Is of a very, uh, it's a very NFL unfriendly age in a way. She's four, mm-hmm. and so we've got to get we've got to get her in front of 
the NFL. So that's right. I've made a know. basketball fan out of her already. I mean, hardcore. I mean, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna continue on here. I know we've gone on, but can you please tell the story of how you get your youngest daughter to watch? NBA games, or, is it, or, or am I, well, am I two, telling too many tales out of school? Not here? at all. Okay. Not at all. My my youngest, well, my, my my oldest daughter, who is a serious NBA fan. I, I you know, when she was three years old, uh, and she wanted to stay up later, she would say to me, "You know, can I just have a drink of water?" It's like, "No, sweetie, we just had water." Well, I have to go to the bathroom. Mm, I don't think you do. You just had. You just went to the bathroom. Can you read me another story? No more stories, sweetie. Can you tell me a story? No, I said no more stories. But I'm kind of hungry. No more food, sweetie. Can we watch basketball? Yes. That you can stay up for. <laughs> that you can stay up for. But you can't do anything else. You have to watch. Okay. The idea of associating that. This is calculated. Like like BF Skinner. Like this is my own Skinner box that I was putting her in. You know, it's like if I can associate the privilege of staying up with the act of watching basketball, maybe I have an NBA fan for life. And sure enough, it worked. Now, the youngest one. That's your 17-year-old. That's my now 17-year-old. Nicely done. You are a good assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, By the way, I didn't need to ask. I knew that he was was a 17-year-old. Well, you know, the entry point also for her was, uh, look, honey, that's Allen Iverson. It's a man, but he has braids. Isn't that interesting? And that would that yes, also is just like oh sure. man with braids. Okay. Uh, my youngest one, I took her to a game. I took her to a game. My youngest one, who will say to me without a hint of irony, is Luis Scola playing tonight? That's uh, amazing. And the reason, and the reason <laughs> she will, is because I took her to a game, and Luis Scola, the Phoenix Suns power forward, came over to her beforehand. It's like ah, little kid, I'm a big man. I'm going to be friends with you. And um, gave her the basketball. She threw it to him. He made a shot. He came over and dapped her, you know, and said, thank you very much. She could not have been more gracious. And she was, like, in love. She fell in love with Luis Scola, the <laughs> six-foot-nine-inch Argentinian. I think that's a new TV show. Yeah. I fell in love yes, with the yes. six-foot-nine. Nora nine. and the power forward. Nora and the Argentinian power <laughs> forward. That does sound it. like something that should be on the Sprout Network. Yeah, so. Sure. But, but Okay. Now I have to now I have to go to another side of the family. My sister show Orange is the New Black, which is basically this. There was a. It's basically a, the true story mm-hmm. of this woman who uh, um, is engaged to be married to a nice guy. You know, who, you know he has a good job. She's settled in her life. <clears throat> Ten years before. She had had an affair with a woman who happened to be tied into a drug dealer. And on one particular occasion, she was a mule and had to, like, fly to Belgium to deliver cash. And that was done. It was completed. She ended up breaking up with this woman and moved on with her life. It was her bad phase. Well, the statute of limitations is 12 years. And after 10 years, this drug dealer was finally caught and brought to trial and everybody involved was named and mentioned and the girlfriend named her and so she got sent to jail for a crime that she had committed 10 years before this essentially benign thing but aiding and abetting a drug dealer so here she is kind of a yuppie in her early 30s who suddenly has to go do hard time do two years in jail and it's like it's it's us it's us going to it's Susie going to jail 
Okay, it's basically Susie going to jail like, without oh, without the lesbian past. Without the lesbian past. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, but hopefully a lesbian future. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you, Rich. Um, uh, uh, so so uh, you know. It's the idea of, like, how do you make this adjustment? Like, I don't know about you, but I think about that all the time. Like, how would I fare? Like, if I had to go to... If I went to jail right now... It'd be a disaster. How on earth would I... How on earth would I survive? I mean... So so this show takes place in in jail. In jail. In prison. And it's really, really great. I mean, it's interesting and it's it's funny. And it's on Netflix so we can binge view it? Is that how it's going to be? Yeah, you can. Okay, I like that. That is mm-hmm. the, that because that's the new block of it watching really television. <laughs> it really for is. sure. And so Taylor when, Schilling is easy on the eyes too. Mm-hmm. Correct, mm-hmm. dude. Look. You are in fuego mm-hmm. on the IMDb right mm-hmm. now. Hey, I'm, see one week of Alex Wilk doing this, and look at him now. Oh, you have raised your game. Yeah, please. You have raised your game. When does this come out? When does this happen? Is it now? Soon. Soon. <laughs> Soon. Just keep, That's just quite look a at tease. Net, look at keep Netflix staring every at your day. Netflix. Every day, just well, refresh. Do it, watch Arrested Development on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And soon enough. Um, fantastic. This is good. Uh, let's close the show. Do you got an international shout-out? Or am I surprising you? Do you I mean, need I to tap dance? One. Do you find one? Well, this was, a, we, this was the second show of the week. I already did You weren't one. expecting that. I wasn't expecting See, Erlacher, another one. Erlacher retired, and we put out a second show of the week. It's true. We, we, uh, we, we give a shout-out to one of the uh, many international... Followers of Chris Brockman's, uh, who who say, "Give me a shout out." So, like, hey, and so I want an international shout out. Well, for, before while tap dancing, uh, while you find one, yeah. what's the strangest country you've heard Will and Grace play in? What's the one where you go, "No, Will and Grace did not play there," or there um, it was translated into the language of that? Uh, I don't know if it's playing in Chad, but that wouldn't be weird because it's called Chad. Uh, uh, um, let me think. It it is. I know there is. Uh, I, you know, it's so funny because I think Romania. I think it's playing in. It's playing in. But I guess anywhere in Europe is not that weird. Eastern Bloc nations are, are yeah, out there. Yeah, I know. I want to hear. I want. We've like, been downloaded in Timor. Myanmar like Myanmar, what, like eight times. Burma now. Burma. Formerly Burma. Yeah. Yeah. FKA right. Burma. Suriname. Is Have that you, true? Yeah, this is true. We we can we we can find out downloads into specific countries. The junta, as we like to say, has lowered the firewall a little uh-huh. bit because we we had very few in Myanmar when we started. Give the people rich eyes and that's, they that's, will love you. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm the voice of freedom. <laughs> I'm the voice of. That's, that's, a, that's another new T-shirt. I'm the voice of freedom. Somebody did say. Uh, somebody sent a tweet <laughs> saying freedom. that uh, the um, I I hit the block button or the ignore button. Hit, hit the ignore button. <laughs> Should be a T-shirt. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, international shout out to at Saint Carl. Dude, I'm an international uh, Patriots fan in the Leeds, England. You guys are legends. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're legends in Leeds. We're the legends of Leeds. They're live right. in Leeds. Which is coming on uh, Netflix soon enough. Uh, David, thank you, sir. Pleasure. David Cohen, Pleasure. good to see you. Say hi to your lovely wife and, and daughters. And, um, uh, and thanks to uh, Brian Urlacher as well for calling it. Yes. Anything else? My uh, first pitch is coming I, Sunday. We'll let you know Sunday, how next week couple, if I've embarrassed myself. Couple guests immensely. next week. Go to the uh, go to the blog page too. You can vote on if. Uh, who if, are my who are the guests next week? Um, Do we have? Well, we we have. Do you have stuff lined up that I don't, I don't have know? anything confirmed yet? So I don't want to. We have, we have George Martin. I don't want to disappoint you as your assistant. 
than a Calvin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and check out my uh, Game of Thrones no, NFL sh- column at chrisbrockman.com. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, boy. Um, can we get a lunch order in with him? Yeah. Or no? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need anything? Uh. Have your car pulled around. Uh, oh. Thanks again. Uh, you need to get on Twitter. I've told you that. You okay. Get on Twitter. You uh-huh. should. You're, you've got. You've got. You've got the. The 140 characters. You, you'll in be challenged by it. You'll be good at it. You'll be. You'll be great at it. Actually, I'm telling you. All right. You'll now, walk me I'll, through. I'll, you'll walk I'll me walk through. You through the process. For uh, at Chris Law. Yes. And at Chris Brock. Indeed. I'm at Rich Eisen for at the Eisen Podcast. Signing off. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism. Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.